Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Way back on November 7th, we gathered right here in the sanctuary to celebrate All Saints Day. And our gospel reading for that morning came from the 11th chapter of John. We heard about the untimely death of a man named Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary. I invited you that morning to consider a two-word memory verse based on the reaction of Jesus to the death of his friend Lazarus, a quick memory verse, the shortest in the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept, and then Jesus raised Lazarus back from the dead. Back from the dead! Amazing, a miracle. For you and for me, it's been 21 weeks since that November miracle in John chapter 11, 147 days for us since Jesus wept and then brought Lazarus back from heaven. For the folks in our gospel reading this morning, though, those in John chapter 12, it's the same story. It's the same event. Things are still happening, still unfolding Relatively, no time has passed at all. There's a small intermission in John where we hear that Jesus leaves Bethany for a few days. Also, the news of Lazarus becomes the final straw for the scribes, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the council, the powers that be. We do here in verse 53. So from that day on, they planned to put him to death. Jesus knows this, of course, And yet today, Jesus is right back in Bethany. They're on the outskirts of Jerusalem, and it's almost the Passover. And tomorrow, he'll be entering Jerusalem on that donkey with palm branches and hosannas, all of which we will hear about next week on Palm Sunday. For this one poignant moment, though, this one last evening, Jesus is in Bethany. And all gathered there are still fresh in the amazement of of their brother, their neighbor, their their friend, local citizen Lazarus, once dead, being alive. So not surprisingly, as you might as well, they have a big dinner party, a celebration. All four of the gospel writers speak of this event, but take note, this dinner does not happen in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. If you look at Matthew and Mark's accounts, you'll hear them both say, Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon, the leper. So it is Simon, another person who has received firsthand healing from Jesus, who is the host of our celebration this evening. We know there's a lot of people at the table, Jesus, his 12 disciples, Lazarus, Simon, Martha, Mary, family members, at least 17 people, which makes for a lot of noise and maybe a long table. You just know, don't you, that there were great conversations happening at that table? Jennifer and I love to be in big groups like this as well, talking about life experiences, relationships, food, travel, books, religion, politics, and maybe even sports that start with basket. (laughs) And end with ball. Think about what they might have included, though, in their discussions Simon sharing his experience of being a leper, gravely ill, an outcast of society, healed 
by the touch of his Lord, now able not only to rejoin society, but host a dinner party in his home. And then there's Lazarus. This might have been a rare moment where Jesus was not the only compelling celebrity at the table. Wouldn't someone have wanted to talk to Lazarus, to ask him questions, to hear about his experience between being dead and being alive? We don't know what Lazarus said. In fact, there's no account in all of Scripture of any words spoken by Lazarus after Jesus brought him back to life. Maybe he didn't talk at all. How could any words even begin to explain the inexplicable? We also hear that Martha served. Of course she did. And I don't say this to make fun of Martha. That was her ministry. That was her passion. That was her service. Many of you find the beautiful expression of your faith with your hands and in your service to others. Simon most likely did not have a wife. And back in that day, the fellows generally didn't stand around the grill on the porch. So Martha gets to work and to serve. It may be that Martha had learned something from that prior party she hosted for Jesus. You remember the one where she got a little salty about having to do all the work while her sister Mary sat at Jesus' feet? Despite the remarkable moments to come in our story today, we will hear zero complaining from Martha. I suspect she was overwhelmed, overwhelmed with gratitude. Let's remember very recently her brother was dead And now he is alive and sitting at this table. Of course she served. This was her devotion to Jesus. Well, there's a lot going on in this story. In this moment, the night before Jesus heads into Jerusalem, it's already a party for the ages, and we're only two verses into our gospel reading this morning. We haven't even gotten to Mary yet. Mary who then offers her gesture of devotion to Jesus, lavishing a full pint of exquisite perfume over Jesus' feet and upending so many layers of decorum by literally letting her hair down and wiping his feet. Wow. This is complete adoration of Jesus, her Lord, and I'm sure, I'm sure it was so incredibly awkward. When Mary opened that bottle and tipped it downward and began to pour that fragrant and expensive ointment on Jesus' feet, everyone in the room must have had their jaws on the floor. People probably froze. Maybe some rose from their seats in surprise. This kind of perfume was not used for feet. It was the kind of ointment used for kings, for princes. Without a doubt, Mary's actions would have been considered a horrible waste in most people's minds. But of course, that wasn't how Mary saw it. Mary loved, appreciated, and valued the feet of the master. I suspect she knew the words of Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. So with complete disregard for social convention or custom, Mary offers her incredible and generous gesture of devotion. And Simon's house is now filled with the fragrance of the moment. I told you this was a party for the ages. Don't you know people will talk about this one for years to come? Look at us. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. And it's not over. 
Because now we see this warm, this generous celebration turning remarkably chilly. Judas. Judas, his response sounds reasonable at first, a coy blend of concern for social justice and financial conservatism. Dear Jesus, wouldn't it be better to take the full year's wage that purchased this perfume and give it to the poor? Note that John won't let Judas off the hook a bit. He quickly tells us that Judas's words do not ring true, that Judas had gotten himself elected treasurer of the disciples' club only for his own gain. Jesus rebukes Judas. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. My friends, the contrast could not be more pronounced for us today. And I believe here comes our learning. Mary is generous and humble and selfless. Judas is greedy and arrogant and self-centered. Together, you and I are given a vivid and contrasting illustration today of a teaching from Jesus we just happened to hear on Ash Wednesday. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Today, in the very midst of this grand party, on the night before his final week of earthly life, Jesus calls us, you and me, to true discipleship, to turn away from all that is self-centered, cold-hearted, to repent for all those times when we've covered our own inner greed with an artificial pretense of piety, to resist any temptation to, to look our noses down on others whose worship appears to us as eccentric, peculiar, awkward, over the top. I imagine most of you have heard many sermons about this fragrant moment in our gospel today. Most of them stop right here, calling on all of us as Christians, just like Mary, to be totally devoted to Jesus. I suspect, though, that misses the essential and final dimension of this gathering, this party, and really all of our gospel. Mary's lavish gift is not just any perfume. It is perfume meant for Jesus' burial. And Jesus knows it. And Jesus tells us so. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. Next week, we'll gather together We'll raise our palms and our palms, and we'll welcome Jesus into the final few days of his mission, his ministry, his time on earth. And on Good Friday, we will witness the very day of his burial. The prophet Isaiah, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Amen.